0: Welcome, to episode one hundred and seventy-six of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. And I'm Karen Dexter. And we're back this week with some more, uh, some
1: more Justice League. We're uh, we're we're back to some rem- remote recording here too. So, Chris, I, I don't mean to to like put you on the spot right now, but you sound exhausted. Uh, do I? <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. I kind of am. I suppose. <laughs> I don't mean to just, like, call you out on your low energy and, like, having me carry the podcast <laughs> per usual. But I just want to, like, are you, how are you doing, Chris? Do, are you doing okay? I mean, I'm doing fine. I'm tired.
0: Um, LA yeah. is insane right now. Um, I, can you do Is my voice at least sound, like, gravelly and sexy, or does does it just sound tired? <laughs> it just sounds tired. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> I mean, I am tired. Um a slight peep behind the curtain in case people couldn't figure it out already. We pre-recorded last week's episodes. We've had two weeks off, so it's always weird coming back. We're back to mm-hmm. recording remotely. Um, I'm recording an hour earlier than normal, and I didn't even bother to set up at my desk. I'm on my couch. Yeah, that's fine. You're in my normal <laughs> spot. I'm in your normal spot. I have my, my duck feet slippers on and my Batman blanket, and I'm all cozy up here. i taking Merry this Christmas. real easy. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh yeah no uh things are insane but yes i'm exhausted how are you cameron (laughs) doing fine (laughs) as fine and dandy as i can be oh just fine and just dandy indeed but yeah we're you know we're we're into the christmas season here i have my tree up covered in all my nerd ornaments i have my two um batman stockings in front of my tv here amazing amazing yeah, you know, it's it's I, I've started to receive gifts from my parents and my family that are unwrapped and sitting under my tree because why am I going to wrap them to just
1: unwrap them myself? Do they because you can have them wrapped via Amazon? Yeah, I, I don't, don't know g- if they order them from Amazon. I don't. It's we, only no, like three extra dollars. No one really gives a fuck. We all know what we're getting
0: anyways. <laughs> so, that is true. Yeah. There aren't really any surprises anymore when you're an adult when it comes to Christmas, so it's fine. So the gifts are just going to sit under the tree, unwrapped for did I, three more weeks. Did I
1: plug Klaus the other week? No. I don't think I have yet, have I? Okay. No, you haven't. Well, surprise. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you're having a pre-plug? I'm having a pre-plug. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, just, just the idea of, of, like, no more surprises in Christmas. Klaus was a very nice surprise. Oh okay. I I actually had a similar experience. I watched uh, the new version of the Grinch. And I was pleasantly Oh, the surprised Illumination one? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's actually pretty cute. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, I wasn't expecting this." Yeah, I mean, Illumination does put out good content, and I think it's I I think they're just like under that um still under the Minion like dome where yeah. people can't separate that like not every film is a Minion film.
0: Well, it, but it doesn't also
1: they <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help when their their intro logo is the Minions just rambling. Yeah, and they're also the ones that would like hide Minions everywhere. Yeah, they totally are. But yeah, no, it, it was surprisingly good. Look at that! Some surprisingly
0: good Christmas content these days, even though yeah. they're not actual plugs. So yeah. Uh, but despite my best efforts to keep these fucking podcasts short and to kill news, um, we, <sighs> there is news. We, I suppose must talk about this week.
1: Oh man, Chris, I, Uh, I'm, I'm honestly surprised. I'm not as hoarse as I should be for how much I've been like screaming about the news that came out this week. I am livid.
0: So what, what we're referring to, like, like, like we've said, we're going to try and keep news down to just things that are are roughly in the purview of the podcast. And so this has to do with uh, the upcoming DC slash Warner Brothers slate, which was that in the I was about to say in the shadow of Wonder Woman, but Wonder Woman's kind of the tipping point. But starting with Wonder Woman uh, and all the way through the remainder of 2021, every Warner Brothers film, including major tentpole releases, are getting a simultaneous day and date, theatrical and HBO Max
1: debut. Yes. So this includes Dune, which for yes. some reason is everyone's first film they mention. Yeah. I even think i like... are just the most surprised by
0: that one because it's it, that... To me, of everything that's coming out, that's the one that I feel like I would most want to see in a theater.
1: Yes, yeah, Dune, Suicide Squad, the new Tom and Jerry like hybrid film. That was always going to be going to HBO Max. Let's be honest. Yeah, probably. Space Jam. uh, The new The new Jam Matrix Four. Matrix Four, which I honestly forgot was even a thing. I know, right? Um, Yeah, I mean this. This is
0: very interest there's a lot of interesting things about this um i feel like you have much stronger opinions on this though so i'm gonna gonna let you take it away i'm just like
1: so frustrated that this i mean it it uh, i i'm furious with warner brothers for my own personal reasons at the moment (laughs) yes but with this decision it it seems like another flailing move like we've talked about before that warner is just kind of doing whatever they can to just, like, make sure that they're keeping up with Disney. And this is the first time that they've kind of done a move like this without following Disney first.
0: Yeah, they're, this is a huge move. No one's gone this far yet. Disney's been selectively picking stuff to do streaming,
1: um, but no one's had the gall yet to say, like, everything, everything is yeah. doing Yeah, and, and the Disney shareholder meeting, the big shareholder meeting, is December 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, So I'm sure whatever response we're going to get out from Disney is going to come out then. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I I can't say it's an irresponsible move on Warner's part because it is kind of what they need to do to kind of survive right now. It's kind of like, you know, the entertainment industry is not getting any help. Um, And, it's it's frustrating to see how they're just gonna like shoot the, the theater chains in the foot like that, um, and yeah, I I did I did a little math on it too. Mm-hmm. Disney or HBO Max is like fifteen sixteen dollars a month. Yeah, it's way more expensive than it should be. Yes, absolutely, it is. Um, and currently, from the last time they did a public report, which was early to mid October, they had twenty six million. Users, which is which is higher than they are expecting, yeah, it's actually pretty good. Um, but of those 26, and also like I don't know how many of them are paying full price because, like, if you have like an at&t service, you kind of get it for free, if you have a cable yep. service, you get it for free. So, I don't know how many of those are being paid. So, at most, with those, and they said there's only of the 26 million, only 12 million are actually active. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if active means once a day, once a week, once a month, sure, yeah, who knows. Um but with the max cap being twenty six million users, that means they're bringing in about four hundred and fifty million dollars a month, which is like it's not bad that that's it's basically not. the equivalent of putting out like a b movie every month yeah it yeah i I agree with you it's not it's not irresponsible like it but that's not gonna cover these like you know, Dune is going to be a near-billion-dollar film, I would assume, uh, unless it's I a John well, Carter situation. Well, I don't know. I mean, the, the problem is is that
0: to this to this point, none of Denis Villeneuve's movies have actually really been big box office success, despite them all being really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you know, I think The Matrix was... Likely going to do pretty big business. Um, yeah, I mean, Wonder Woman,
1: as we've said before, is is supposed to be a billion dollar film. Yeah, I would I would think of all of them. Wonder Woman would probably be the biggest. Suicide um, Squad, I think, has a lot of energy behind it right now. Yeah, it. I. It's interesting. I think. Uh, I think this is.
0: It's an understandable move on their part, and like I'm, look, I'm, I have very mixed feelings about it. I'm happy that, um. I'm not gonna be put in a situation where I really wanna see something and have to take the risk of going to theater to go do that. Like that was my big frustration um with Tenet, for example, which I that's mm-hmm. all definitely. Tenet knows. Tenet.
1: yes, whatever. Still it's coming out please, soon. please give give Christian Nolan his Chris, Christopher Christian Nolan, Nolan. <laughs> Christian Nolan, his younger brother.
0: I, I this all does feel like a reaction to, uh, to Net that it just didn't do what they expected it to do because no one insisted it be in theaters because no one has lost touch with reality in so many levels. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm glad that we're not in this situation for the same reason that I was begrudgingly glad they pushed Bond because Bond was the only movie that I would have taken the risk to go see in a theater. Right. Uh, there's literally nothing else. E- e- like, even uh, I guess maybe Black Widow just because I don't want to be behind on the MCU Um, and if the Mandalorian has shown us anything, it's that you have to be on that shit quick or things are going to get spoiled for you. Oh baby.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I I watch that now, at like six o'clock in the morning on a Friday before I go to work to make sure that I see it. I, yeah, I have a friend that watches at midnight and I have to tell her, I'm like, Hey, just a reminder, I'm also not watching it at midnight. So if like, let me text you first, So you know that I'm watching it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But you know, it's like, I'm glad that these movies are going to be more accessible. I'm, concerned about the impact it'll have on the theater chains yeah because it's gonna
1: be bad it's, it's gonna it, be very
0: bad but it, look uh it's, here's like ultimately what's this speaks to is the fact that and for, forgive me people for getting political here but ultimately <gasps> it's something we've never done before um but ultimately what this speaks to is the fact that as a country, the U.S. has fucked this up real bad because yes. this is only for the United States. It's getting a normal theatrical distribution everywhere else in the
1: world Yeah, right yeah. I, I don't remember if we said this up top. It's not solely going to HBO Max. It is having a concurrent yeah. release in theaters and HBO yeah. Max. No,
0: I, 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 yeah, I did mention that. I think the reality is that most people are going to end up probably watching this on a streaming service rather than going into a theater because there's a lot of places like L.A. where theaters aren't even reopened other places where they are, but people probably aren't going, which is a smart choice. But yeah, the rest of the world is getting this in a normal, all those movies, in normal theatrical distribution. Um, so there's one, that we've just handled this so poorly that we aren't able to get to the point where we can go see a movie in a theater safely. But also, every other country has figured out a way to support people and businesses so that they don't have to make decisions like this. Whereas we've made it a complete... Free for all, and everyone from just like a normal person who has a normal day to day job to these massive corporations have had to figure out a way to survive this rather than actually being supported, and that's ultimately what this speaks to is that this is Warner Brothers' way of going like, well, we have no choice; we have to find right. a way to make this work. I was just surprised they did it all the way through 2021, like I, all the way as the
1: was I. I. I if they did it through, like up to summer, yeah, I think it would have been more fine yeah like if they if they would have done like two big movies like give us dune and give us i don't know space jam yeah uh I, I, it, not tom and jerry right I yeah they no have cares. like real
0: weight no one cares about tom and jerry but like it look it makes sense for wonder woman now for them to do it um you know i think we've talked about this before too one of the last episodes that now this is what everyone's gonna be watching on Christmas. Like I'm gonna be watching this before I watch Soul.
1: I think probably same. same. Yeah, I, I know. I was having that conversation with my parents of like, oh, we're gonna watch Wonder Woman right after we open presents. Yeah, exactly. And
0: and I think there is something valuable to that. Um, you know, I, I, in a weird way, I think people are gonna have maybe an extra affinity for it because it's you know much needed superhero fun blockbuster fair at a time when everyone kind of wants that. And there'll be a communal experience around it, individualized communal, but you know, communal nonetheless. So it's not a bad thing. I was just surprised
1: they went so far out, but you yeah. know, and, and also like the timing of it, as we've mentioned before, when they announced the wonder woman and um, release, they're doing this strategically right around Christmas. Yeah. Because like, this is the time, you know, I, I imagine Disney plus subscriptions and HBO max subscriptions are going to be like the main presence of this year. Oh, yeah. And so even if they get, you know, let's say 5 million new users from Christmas, that's probably way overestimate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But, you know, that's 15, 34, 60, 75 extra million dollars a month they're pulling in. Yeah.
0: And, you know, to your point, it is strategic. They're trying to draw, not only drive, I think, Christmas sales, but then also keep people on the platform. They're, mm-hmm. I, I, a lot of people, myself included, are too lazy to, like, go and cancel, like, services between things you want to watch on it. You're like, whatever. It's 15 bucks a month. It's, you know, a, a sandwich. I'll just Right, yeah, that's one Chipotle it. meal. Exactly. I'll just keep paying for it. And I think the idea is that they'd be like, hey, like, you're going to get this now because you want Wonder Woman. But, hey, you might as well just hold on to it because you're going to be getting
1: pretty regular content going forward. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's what Disney did. And it yeah. it, it worked Incredibly well Where yeah. I have friends That are still like Isn't that Weren't we supposed to get Marvel stuff I'm Like yeah We were supposed to get Marvel stuff Yeah And also
0: You know Before Before people start to think That I'm being like Really really sympathetic To this like Massive corporate Conglomerate Um There is A very cynical thing To factor in here as well Which You made reference to this Uh AT&T owns Warner Brothers Fucking So ugh. It's not too much of a surprise that a internet service provider would position their content company to push more things
1: to a internet-based platform. Yes. And with that note especially, and the other thing that's been driving me fucking nuts recently, is because HBO and Warner are owned by AT&T, they absorb AT&T's drama. Mm -hmm. And HBO Max has been out for eight, nine months now. Something like that, yeah. They're still not on any smart TV, uh, or uh, the majority of smart TVs they're not on. They're still not on Roku, and they're still not on Amazon Fire. Yep. They're only... They've j- just recently been on Apple TV, uh, and other than that, you have to have like a specific AT&T thing to have it. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? How do you expect... Like, I'm not going to watch Dune on my computer screen. Yeah, I know. One, it's very dirty, and I need to clean it. (laughs) It doesn't matter how much you clean it. It's not going to be clean enough. It's never going to be clean enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that is so frustrating that they would set it up. I'm like, God forbid, am I going to watch it on my phone, you quibby wannabe assholes. (laughs) I mean, Jeffrey Katzenberg thinks you should be watching it on your phone. Jeffrey Katzenberg can fucking... Fall into the ocean. Yeah,
0: but, but beyond the fact that you know this, um, you know, is good for AT and T, just in terms of driving more people to be using an internet-based viewing system. There's also the thing you made reference to, which is that you know, if you're an AT and T internet user, then you get this for free, or you can get it for free, sort of thing, right? So it's like they position themselves in such a way of like, hey. Do you want to see Wonder Woman? Do you want to see The Matrix 4? Great. Well, you can on this convenient platform. You can either pay us way too much month, you know, amount of money per month or you know, hey, just get AT&T internet and then you can basically get it for free. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's not it, it is ultimately like a a not terrible decision that is clearly also being driven by massive corporate greed. Yeah.
1: And, and this is something I I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. It's a conspiracy theory that I'll go down for, for a while. Um, I think this is, I mean, it's not even conspiracy theory. It's just a theory. Um, I, this is a, it, in my mind, this is a big move from the studios to weaken theater change to the point of a buyout. And I expect in the next year or two, To see Disney and Warner both put in a bid for AMC and Cinemark. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was necessarily like their intent, but I think it's definitely something they can look at as a potential benefit. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, because as we've discussed before, there are no longer rules preventing content creators from owning distribution platforms or vice versa. Um, So, hey, you know what? I think ultimately this means we're just one step closer to a different kind of dystopia.
1: Yeah. And and it's the the conversation I brought up many a time where we're just going to fall into the same routine that we did with the arcades. And there's going to be like two big arcade scenes. You have your Dave and Buster's and your round ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then everything else is just like a very tiny fighting for its life kind of space. Yeah. And that's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be the Disney chain. Is going to be everywhere. And then the Warner chain is going to be most places. And they're going to have that one theater chain. It's like, Hey, we're still here too. Like, don't you want to come and have like the real theater experience? Yeah. It's like, you only have ski ball. Why would I go there? <laughs> it's like, well now you can buy beer too. It's like, oh. what? we can buy beer and play arcade games. What is this? Some kind of barcade situation. Yeah. I, and Barcades th- infuriate me. They're, they're the worst of both worlds. <laughs> but I mean, I think, I think barcades are also
0: kind of what movie theaters are heading towards, right? It's like, it, the thing is it's getting so much easier to get content at home. So the theaters are having to find more and more ways to quote unquote incentivize people to yeah, come. they have to make it a luxury experience. Yeah. To co- one to come to theaters and then two to cover their costs. So it's now getting to the point where they're basically trying to make a movie theater, a kind of a version of your living room which ultimately then, oftentimes compromises the experience of being able to see a movie without constant distraction all the time. Which I was I was
1: going to go the opposite route and just having the frustration of like going to see the movie with my uncle and he like pauses the big screens like so I have to go to the bathroom real quick <laughs> and then we walk into the bathroom and he's on his phone. Yeah, but like, I mean- come like Harry, come on! Like I want to finish the movie. <laughs> Like that's kind of what we're heading towards where it's like the whole
0: point of seeing it in a theater is all through the end of the day, it's to see it on a big screen. And depending on the movie, sometimes you want the the communal energy around it. Um, But if more and more going to a movie means that you're getting distracted by someone being on their phone or eating or drinking or getting up to get stuff all the time, like to be honest, there's a lot of stuff on that Warner Brothers slate that I would kind of rather just see at home anyways. Like I don't need to see it on a big screen.
1: Yeah, but I mean, yes, I, I agree with that. I mean, I'm I'm a theater purist forever. Yeah. Like, I, I moved to my current apartment location specifically because of its distance to a movie theater. Yes, I know. Across the street. <laughs> Literally across the street, yes. um, But there's some of you, like, In the Heights. In the Heights is coming out next year digitally. Like, that's something I definitely want to see in theaters. Like, that's something you need that communal energy for. Yeah.
0: I, I think... Yeah... I mean, if we're, if we're projecting on what we think will happen, which of course we're doing, all we love to do. Like, I think what's going to ultimately result from this is movies that would, there is a difference between seeing a movie in a theater and seeing it at home. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, anything, there's not a lot of stuff that I've watched at home that I've been like, I felt like it was on par with seeing it in a theater or like my brain, there's like a dissonance. My brain kind of decides like it's, it assumes the effort isn't there as much as it would be if it released in a theater. Like it, it sort of gets lumped in with the, a lot of like the really underproduced direct to Netflix movies we've seen for so many years, even if it's made out of the sort of caliber that it could be better than that. And what I think is ultimately can happen is like something like in the Heights, you're right. Like that's a movie I am excited about. I don't really know much about it, but it looks great. You know, great talent involved left and right. Seeing that theater, I would probably really like it. Seeing it at home. I'd probably be like, okay, that was fine. In the same way that anything else I see in home is going to be fine, and so then it's going to be a matter of you know if that's people's reaction is always going to be oh this is fine, why put in the effort to make it better than they could if it was just going to go to Netflix anyways? And it's, it's that what, that is absolutely a yeah. great point. Why oh. why put in the money when you could put in seventy percent of the cost and still get the same feedback from people and the same ultimately the same revenue? So
1: exactly that is that is a terrifying thought for the future of entertainment. Yeah. Which then just means that entertainment in general,
0: I think is you just kind of, kind of get more, more, more middle of the road. And then the only really good stuff is going to be, you know, huge temple films or, you know, whatever the studio is willing to put money behind because it's Oscar films. So,
1: right. Yeah. Um, Oof. I know. God, I'm depressed now. I know. Why do we start off with this? <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, though, like, I know it's it's obviously not an option everywhere. And I don't imagine this being a possibility in the future because, like, it's definitely not worth their money in the end. But, um, select theaters in Dallas, you can rent the theater out for $100 and yeah. watch whatever movie you want. But yeah. I also found out you can. Watch new movies because I guess there's still a new movie slate that's just like unknown to us in LA. <laughs> and I looked it up and I was like very curious, like okay, what are your new movies you can watch in a cinemark right now? And it's uh, it's just one film, Chris. Which one is it? Uh, Crudes Two. <laughs> hard, hard pass. Uh, it's an extra fifty dollars, so it's hundred and fifty dollars to watch the new Crudes movie, but you can watch it in the theater by yourself. Hardest the passes on that. Don't need it. Never saw the first one. Don't care about the second one. Uh, so Chris, I just spent one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising, no one. I mean, look,
0: we'll, we'll we'll kind of wrap this up with this quick little conversation, which is uh, of the stuff that's coming up. What would you actually spend one hundred fifty dollars either for yourself as like a gift to a few other people, or you know maybe distribute amongst a few to actually see.
1: I mean, honestly, Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, if I if I had a few people to go see it with, like a handful, yeah. Well, because like my my aunt and uncle are also prolific theater goers, and they're mm-hmm. also the the kind of people that go once a, once or twice a week when they have the opportunity. Yeah. And like absolutely for Christmas, I'm I'm buying them a theater. Yeah. Like i I'm like hey like here's three hundred dollars. Go see three movies. See something you know. See two new things, or pick your three favorite films and have like a great date night. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, because, like I, like, I understand their pain so much. Like, I hate this. Yeah. And, you know, having that opportunity is something that you really have to, like, take if it's there. Yeah. So you do it for
0: Wonder Woman. Anything else that's coming up that you'd be like, okay, I'd be willing to, to fork over the money for?
1: Oh, God. Space Jam, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I don't think so. I think Space Jam, I'm okay seeing on a small screen. Yeah, I'm fine watching Space Jam on a small screen. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but I mean, like it, it's not a, it's not a new movie, but it's something that I've been thinking about because like I have two friends in Dallas um, and we've been doing this slow burn um, Marvel race through mm-hmm. quarantine mm-hmm. where they they hadn't seen any and we just finished Ragnarok this week, so next week is Infinity War. yeah. And I'm like, I kind of want to buy them tickets to see it in theaters so they yeah. can understand like how good this is in theaters.
0: I mean, that would be amazing to get to see that in a in a movie theater without, um, <laughs> a, crying
1: without a crying teenager, without a crying teenager, you know, so
0: upset that spoiler Peter Parker gets dusted and will totally be back within the next like three hours on of his time. hands and
1: knees yeah. in the theater weeping. In <gasps> oh his, my god, in his, another like, hero died. Custom made Spider Man outfit where he yeah. made his female friend slash girlfriend wear a Gwen Stacy costume that she did not feel comfortable in or yep. look comfortable in. Exactly. So you're
0: you're really missing missing out on that. You you know live teen angst so
1: yeah god what a great experience that was fucking hell what, what, what about you though what would you pay the 100 to 150 dollars for bond obviously uh, obviously
0: obviously um and if i mean the reality is an mcu film if they did it you know ah, yeah ah, yeah black widow if uh, okay let me, let me rephrase that if i i would probably still be okay watching an mcu film at home If I had to like, let's, Let me put it this way If I can only see an MCU film in the theater I would be willing to pay the money to go see it And not be behind Yes That, yes. that is that is a good Whereas point Whereas I think the distinction there is with Bond If it's coming to streaming and theaters I would probably pay to go see it in a theater still mm-hmm. By myself With five martinis
1: Yes Cause that is how you're supposed to watch movies in a the theater now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just by yourself with five martinis. Yeah, I don't care if some like if somebody else is like clinking a martini glass. I'll be pissed if it's just me. I don't give a fuck. I know that that's such a weird like conundrum, right? Like, like when I don't get candy because I normally do get candy, yeah. and then like like I'll be as quiet as I can. Like I'll make sure the plastic is off before the movie starts, uh, and then I'll like make sure the box is open before the movie starts, just so, like you don't hear that that like rustle. Mm-hmm. But if I don't get candy and someone behind me has a box, like has something, it is the most infuriating thing in the world. Yeah. Because we're all hypocrites. Yeah. Just like fucking open the bag. Yeah. You're not being quiet. We're all bloody hypocrites. Uh, all right. Well,
0: I, I think we've talked this topic to death at this point. Are we done with Tim Talk? Yes. Is that <laughs> it? Can we go to plugs? I know. You know, actually, you know what? Forget Justice League. Forget our plugs. Let's just let's just call it here. Yeah, I'm angry again. The <laughs> camera's angry. I'm more tired. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I insist. We're going to keep powering through it. We're going to talk some justly this week because I, these are two episodes that I was very excited about. Uh, we are talking, of course, about Tabula Rasa parts one and two, the introduction of Amazo. Yes. And I I remember really liking these episodes when they aired. Um and I still found them pretty enjoyable doing a, a, a rewatch here. Now, had you seen these before, Cameron?
1: Probably. I have no memory of them. Okay. I remember Amazo's episode in jail you. Right. That's one of the when best. When he comes back. Yeah, yes. That is one of the best. Um,
0: yeah. I, I don't remember. Because I, I think it's – I don't remember how often these were – replayed back in the day. I just remember when they aired, I watched them all when they came out. Yeah. Um, and I remember liking this a lot, I think maybe because I didn't know who Amazo was, this this weird character that shows up, um, who can absorb people's powers, kind of. so I think I was really intrigued by that. Um, but, I mean, there's some really interesting kind of philosophical elements, kind of, this episode, which, starting with the, the name, do you know what Tabula Rasa translates to? What what's significant about that name? Tootsie roll. Tootsie, yes, exactly. It's an old fashioned name for a Tootsie roll. If you can put any flavor you want on it, but only at Halloween time when they give you the, the, the grab bag with the vanilla and the cherry and the lime, you know. Oh,
1: the cherry one's so good. Cherry one's so good.
0: They should have it all year round. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, so tabula rasa essentially translates to blank slate. So I, I don't remember oh, the the okay. philosopher who originally kind of um, popularized this idea. But it's basically the idea that we are um, kind of born as blank slates and our personalities are written onto us as we experience things over time. So if you want to break it down to the nature versus nurture argument, essentially, um, it is essentially focusing on the nurture side of things where, you know, we everything that we are, we absorb over time. Now, I think the reality is fair to say that it's somewhere in the middle. Genetics obviously plays a big role. Um, and how we ultimately are shaped, but our experiences, you know, are hugely defining. And so that idea, I think is a really clever way to discuss kind of amazement as a character. So what's ultimately what's happened in this episode is, you know, Lex Luthor is once again defeated by the Justice League. He goes to Mercy for help. And I thought this was interesting that here we discover that he left Lexcorp in her hands.
1: Yeah. And when we first meet her, I honestly, I didn't even recognize that was Mercy Right, because we're so used but, to having her in the chauffeur outfit and the hat. Yes, but but when he kind of describes why he left her in charge, I think that was a lot – that felt extra sinister. Yeah, because
0: he just assumed that she would turn it back over to him.
1: Yeah, because as she put it, there's no one else in the world that he trusted enough to give it back when he was ready for it. Yeah. Except for his assistant. Exactly. His, his chauffeur.
0: Yes, his, his trusted uh, confidant. So, she's now running LexCorp, and he is specifically trying to find this guy, Professor Ivo, who
1: we never actually meet over the course of the episode, because as soon as he gets to Ivo's house, he's dead! And that seems to be, because if I remember correctly, that's also what happens in Young Justice. Uh, I think because so. Ivo, no, I'm, I'm having it flipped, because Ivo has the nemesis who also makes androids. Do you remember who he is? Remind me. Um... It is.
0: Oh, you're asking that as a question. I thought you were teaming me no, up no. to see if I knew you. Uh, you don't know
1: Morrow. either. <laughs> oh, oh T.O. Morrow. T.O. Morrow. That's it. I'm like, it's it's two letters. Yeah. And for some reason, I couldn't get past PT Barnum. And I'm like, it's <laughs> not it. I mean, yeah, I kind of w- I kind of would <laughs> love to see a episode where
0: <laughs> Professor Ivo goes up against PT Barnum.
1: <laughs> Uh, yes Tio Morrow is the one who invented red tornado yes and and the and those lines of androids yeah
0: I mean the DC is filled with like this whole stable of sort of generic evil professors you have like Tio Morrow, you have Professor Ivo you have dr Savannah like they're all kind of indistinguishable to some degree I feel like they're all just like bald and wearing a lab coat yeah
1: they're no PT Barnum that's for they're sure. no PT
0: Barnum no that suave and magical voice,
1: famous animal cruelty advocate P.T. Barnum. Yep. But hey, he went to his he went to his daughter's ballet recital that one time. So that's true. Okay. Yeah. Exactly.
0: You know, that's what happens when you have Hugh Jackman play someone they immediately become likable, even
1: if in reality they were monsters. Exactly. So, you know, same thing when you have Tom Hanks play Walt Disney. Yep. Oh, this is an unnecessary tangent. You can cut it out if you want. Probably. But it's will. Something that I think you would enjoy, and it was very dumb. But Danny Elfman's house is up for sale right now. Okay. Uh, and so uh, Architectural Digest just did a great video kind of walking through his house and his centerpiece in his like first living room is uh, is an old monkey skeleton in like a in like a glass jar. And I'm like, what kind of fucking PT Barnum bullshit is this? <laughs> and then they explain how he got it, and it's the most like, bull. Bo- like it's the most dumb Hollywood story ever. But it was a gift from um, Tim Burton because of obviously, yes. given to him for scoring one of his films. Yes. And I'm like, why does anyone have a fucking monkey skeleton in their house as At- a centerpiece? Other than Nicolas Cage other than nick cage that yes. is true which uh, our friend
0: and former guest of the show cj sent me uh, uh, an instagram post this week and it was nicholas cage i think just walking down, the street, yes. yeah, walking down the oh, street, yeah walking the
1: street it's the funniest photo dressed like scrooge mcduck
0: yes <laughs> uh except this version does not have a pool of money to swim
1: in so uh, he's, he's getting it back yeah yeah instead he has he has a he, instead of a you know a vault pool, it's more like a kiddie pool a kiddie of pool. T-Rex skulls. A T-Rex skulls, exactly, yeah. The thing everyone's always wanted. Um,
0: but yeah, so they, uh, Lex goes off to search for... Um, Ivo and finds him dead, but he discovers that Ivo left behind this this android named Amazo. Um, and, I mean, that's kind of the bulk of the episode. I mean, the, the, the rest of, the rest of the two parts... I mean, really, that's... Like, the rest of the two parts is... Um, you know, Lex basically manipulating both Mercy and especially Amazo to try and take down um, the, the Justice League. But I, to me, like, the most interesting about this is just Amazo as a concept and as a character. So I'm curious,
1: how would you describe his powers, his abilities? Uh, it's it's duplicating is, is kind of the word they, they used a couple times. Mm-hmm. But he can scan find the greatest strengths. I guess not even just that, because he, he absorbs the, the kryptonite poisoning. Yeah. Um so his initial power is um I would say absorption and adaptation.
0: Yeah. And so it's, he's it's adapting
1: the... to his environment and he's adapting to the other person's fighting style as well. And almost their personality. Yeah. As we see a couple times. And I think it's the adaptation thing that's very interesting to me. Cause I
0: guess I I would describe his powers like as some sort of uh, molecular duplication sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of weird because, you know, he he systematically encounters each of the Justice League and absorbs their powers one at a time. Um, and they make reference to the fact that he gets a bit of their personality. So when he sees Hawkgirl, he absorbs her wings and her mace and then her um, kind of a, approach to fighting that he attacks her the way that she would attack. Yeah, very head-on. Yeah, and I think... I think they even use some of Hot Girl's, like, vocals over him. Either that or they're, or they're having Robert Picardo, the, the voice actor, for uh, Amazo, like, do an impersonation. But, you know, Amazo kind of grunts in the way the Hot Girl grunts when they're fighting. Um, so we get the sense that there's some personality involved in there, too. So it's, it's, it's beyond just abilities because he also absorbs the mace and the capabilities of the mace. Right. But the, the personality comes through there or like when he becomes the flash or he absorbs the flash, you know, he, he takes on a little bit of his, uh, his lecherous side a little bit, his, you know, let's go hit on this hot girl side. But what I think is interesting is he, he doesn't seem to initially evolve or adapt once he gets their abilities. It's almost like direct mimicry up to a point. Right. Like So I think a good example is he absorbs GL's ring, and then he uses it the same way that Jon Stewart does, which is generally just using like blasts and walls and stuff like oh, that. Oh, no,
1: no, no, because he makes a construct. He makes one construct. What's the one construct that he makes? When Flash is running towards him, he makes a ramp to the right, so Flash just runs off into a wall. Okay, but that's and he has now officially made one more construct than our good boy GL. I would argue that that is basically not
0: real. Are are saying a construct. ramp is just a curved wall. Yes, essentially, because that's all the GL does. He makes bubbles, light like energy beams, and like walls, like basically flat, planar surfaces. And a ramp is essentially just one of those. Like I think of a construct as like, I've never seen the Green Lantern movie, but I remember in the trailer, like at one point he creates like a mini gun out of. The GL construct. Yes. Like he also makes an entire Hot Wheels track. That's fantastic. Like that's what I think of. Like I think of a real world object with a little bit of either visual or mechanical complexity uh, that is recreated using the lantern, the ring. That's what I think of as a construct. If it's just like Zap Zap or a wall, it doesn't count.
1: I think. <laughs> If we brought in Tony Hawk right now <laughs> and you told him that a ramp is just a curved wall, he would have some words for you. I think he would more or less agree with me. Um, I don't think he would. It's really not a construct by any stretch.
0: But, you know, what's interesting is, we, we talk about this a lot, that John doesn't make constructs, but I, I think we've kind of chalked it up to the idea that, to him, that is the most efficient way that he approaches things, or at least that his ring is capable of doing constructs. He just chooses not to make them. So Amezo could make constructs, right? But he doesn't. And I I don't know if it's because he doesn't know yet that he can. I think that's people that are going for here, right? Is that he has to learn for himself what he can and cannot do.
1: And because he's Yeah, and and we also don't know if he has an imagination. Yeah. Cuz like that is where the root of constructs come from, is your imagination uh and just kind of forced through by willpower.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and I think, because, you know, he's described as being uh, designed to evolve, but I would argue that he doesn't actually do any critical thinking, really, up until the second time Batman uses kryptonite on him. Right. You know, because he, so he's been slowly going through and absorbing some of the powers of each member of the Justice League, and they're trying to keep Superman away, recognizing that, oh, if he gets Superman, like, we're fucked. And I thought there was a couple really clever moments in that. One is that Superman like rushes in and then immediately tries to blind Amazo by wrapping like steel around his face so he can't scan him and absorb his powers, which is, you know, again, let's throw some credit to Superman for occasionally actually being pretty smart and not just a big bruiser. Yeah. Um, ultimately, that's not super successful. So Amazo, of course, does get Superman's powers. and That's kind of like the cliffhanger button. Um, and then we pick up again you know, a fight is going on. And then, of course, Batman swings in and Amazo scans him and he, he kind of even criticized him, like, you don't have any you're powers. You're just
1: human. Yeah, you're just human.
0: What's so special about you? And then, of course, Batman busts out the kryptonite block that he always Money, keeps on bitch. Him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 initially, it was a
1: $100 bill at him. Yeah,
0: initially we thought it was a block of kryptonite, but no, it's just a stack of hundies. Um, But, you know, I I love that, one, he always carries the kryptonite on him no matter what. I love, too, that – I don't know if you caught this, but there's a little bit of the original Batman theme woven into the music at that moment. Oh, I missed that. Which I thought was really fantastic. But, you know, initially it works. And Amazo is, you know, taken by surprise because he's absorbed the weaknesses as well. um, And so he flees to get away. But the second time Batman busts out the kryptonite, he – Amazo just goes, but I can evolve. And it seems like he's now no longer – immune to it and i what or he he is now immune to it excuse me and i wasn't sure how that made sense how that worked i was curious if you had a take on why he is suddenly now no longer
1: um susceptible to kryptonite yeah so i'm imagining in how amazo kind of classifies these powers as almost like he's making a new folder for all the all the people he's absorbing so you Mm. have the the Hawkgirl folder and the subfolders like Mace program and Wing program. And so he can turn those on and off when he wants. Oh and then you have kind of the Superman folder that opens and you have your laser vision, your super strength, your flight, and then you have like the Krypton like the Kryptonite folder. And he just throws that away is his way of evolving and adapting. Oh, okay. That actually does make a lot of sense. Cause you know, we we've seen a similar thing
0: happen with Parasite way back in Superman Animated series. But you're right, like Because Parasite's abilities are, we'll call them, like, more organic or genetic. He can't just turn them off and on. You're right, but Amazo, he has intelligence. That's a really good way of putting it, actually. Yeah, he can just decide, okay, well, I don't need this anymore, so I can just delete this.
1: Right, yeah. And then he can go in and alter the other folders. Like, what if he wants four wings instead of two when he activates Hawkgirl's power? Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, he he has the, the... he's a program. In the end, I mean, they do a good job making him look organic and look almost alien. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we forget that he is just made of nanobots. Yeah. And they also only use that word once, which I think is something <laughs> way more important they should start using. They probably should. Like he's not a singular structure. Yeah. He is a component of millions and billions of nanobots. That is a very good point actually, which okay, so that
0: then raises the question of, you know, when Lex Talks about how he has a, that Ivo put a kill switch in Amazo that he can just press, you know, to use against him. And at the point when Lex does use it, uh, um, Amazo's head blows up and then it reforms. I would assume that that was because he had absorbed Martian Manhunter's abilities to
1: shapeshift. But mm. if he were made of nanobots, wouldn't he? Yeah, he'd always have the ability to re- reform himself.
0: Yeah. So then, what was the point of having the kill switch in there in the first place? To trick Lex. <laughs> to <The> trick Lex. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Okay, that doesn't make quite as much sense. But you're right, he was always a, nano, a nanobot at the end of the day. But
1: I think, Yeah, because what I mean what the kill switch should have been was like an EMP and not an explosion. Yeah, that would be God sense. forbid we try and explain an EMP again. I know.
0: <laughs> well, you see, an EMP is like a nuclear bomb without the nuclear fallout. But I don't quite
1: understand. Like, but can my cell phone still work? No, 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 man. Your cell phone will be, be destroyed. Okay, but like, will I die? Do you have a pacemaker? No. Then you're fine. A plastic one. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they didn't go down that route. But okay, so I'm yeah, because gonna... you would need something to like deconstruct the nanobots.
0: Yeah, exactly to disable them. But okay, so I have another question for you then, because again, mm-hmm. I think I think just idea of Amazo is so interesting. So you're, I think you are on a good idea, a good point that he is actually kind of willfully picking and choosing what he wants, because. He scans Batman and realizes he has no abilities, right? So I take it that then that means that Amazo dismissed Batman and didn't absorb anything. Because we have seen that he can absorb personalities. And if Amazo absorbed Batman's personality, which I imagine would also come along with, like to some degree, his, his intellect and his analytical mm-hmm. perspective, that would almost be more dangerous
1: than any of the other powers right oh my my first thought was just like he absorbs batman he's like that's how the stock market works (laughs) (laughs) i now understand the economy yeah but like that would be i still don't get why you're living in gotham batman i (laughs) I still don't get it right yeah why would you be here but i I think either absorb i think absorbing batman or i think to some degree as well
0: lex if he actually absorbed their critical thinking Mm-hmm. That would be incredibly dangerous And I think he doesn't do that Because when he first encounters Lex He just mirrors his face To give us a sense of what his powers are But I don't think he Willfully
1: absorbs anything there In the same way he does with Batman, right? Well, because here's my question for you Because in that, in that sense We kind of get when he absorbs Manhunter That's when he absorbs like, his compassion uh,
0: I, w- uh, I guess I took that more as It was just the little telepathy when he absorbs okay. Manhunter. And so because he has telepathy, then he finally is able to read Lex's mind and understand that he's being manipulated.
1: Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes more sense. I I read it as you know, because we have this whole subplot of Martian Manhunter doing fuck knows what uh, in the forest after he forgets that he can turn off his his mind reading power. Um, I was not happy with that story. You said you have you want to talk okay, about yeah, that one. So, we'll get to it in a second. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll let you go down uh, your path and we'll talk about that. Yeah, so he he absorbs bits and pieces of each personality, and my question is why when he absorbed Superman, I guess because there's just like too many new folders that appear with Superman, but like why didn't he also absorb his compassion? It's like what if they accidentally shoot a building down and like Superman goes to save it, but Amazo is faster and he's the one that catches the building before it hits people, and that's when everyone's like, what is this guy?
0: Yeah, it's a little bit unclear. I think ultimately I'm going to chalk that up to a, just a, an
1: oversight on the part of the writers on this. I, I think it's not as funny to watch someone else be Superman as it is to watch someone else be flash. Yeah.
0: And I, it, and
1: it, I don't know much about Amazo from the comics. Like I know he has a very
0: different look in the comics. He actually kind of looks like Namor, the the Submariner. That's right. A little yeah. But like in um, Batman under the red hood, the animated movie, he has like the classic Amazo look. And I think in, um, Young Justice as well. He's got that look too, right? Isn't he a Young yeah. Justice?
1: Um, I'm trying to remember. I wish this fucking... Anytime I would type in a it wouldn't just lead me straight to fucking Amazon shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, corporate greed. Um, but yeah, so... I, I, the personality thing makes it a little bit muddled, right? Because you're, you're right. It seems like he... When he scans Hot Girl, he unintentionally absorbs her personality trait. Although I, I guess maybe you could say that that was him absorbing her, her fighting method in particular, that when he scanned her, if he's able to extract certain pieces of their personality to absorb as well, he just focused on her ability to fight. And that kind of makes sense. And then I guess that would then kind of make sense too. By the time he gets to the flash, he's maybe being a little more experimental about what he absorbs from people. So that maybe that now he's starting to take on the personality traits. But to your point, then if that's the case, if he's slowly taking on more and more willfully, you would think that when he absorbed Superman, he would take on his compassion as well.
1: Yes. And like, you, there's always that argument you can have of like Superman is always holding back. And when he's fighting a Mezo, if Amazo did absorb his power, then he should have technically outstrength Superman because he's always holding back, but you see them on even footing. So he did like, kind of absorb his his like passiveness. Yeah. But, you know, that's dumb. <laughs> it is kind of dumb. But, you know, so when all this
0: Amazo stuff is happening, because like I said, the, the, the bulk of the plot is basically just that Lex is trying to destroy the Justice League so we can finally be free of them, in essence, and he's manipulating Amazo to do so. But the, the, the B-plot in all of this is – That to try and find Lex, Superman asked Martian Manhunter to do a citywide psychological or telepathic scan.
1: Which is just a horrible thing to ask somebody. They're in basically New York. They they have multiple signs that they're in New York. Yeah, well, they are in Metropolis, but the part of Metropolis that's clearly just ripping off Times Square. Yeah. And, like, just, like, that's the worst place to start when you're trying to, brain sw- like, brain scan people. Yes. It's just asshole tourists. Exactly. <laughs> and people who are pissed off because asshole tourists are in their neighborhood. Yeah. But, yeah,
0: so so Manhunter does this this telepathic sweep, and it, like, it is a shock to him, because I guess he hasn't ever gone this far. I think his telepathy has been more point-to-point point up to this point. And I guess the idea here is that when he opens his mind up that f- why He even says like it might be hard to like you know put the genie back in the bottle whatever weird idiom he uses that he probably shouldn't know cuz he's a Martian but you know he can't just undo what he's absorbed instantly and like maybe part of it is that the the shock of what he experiences is so pro- like so profound that he can't focus enough to then rein in his abilities to get it to go away but so he's just absorbing people left and right and i i i, I should have written down some of the snippets cuz it's the most like weirdly Asinine things that are thrown out there as like people's thoughts.
1: yeah, i I also wish I would have written some of them down because a lot of them were very stupid, <laughs> yeah,
0: I, like I think the first ones we see is a a a couple on a date, and she's like, Oh, does he actually even like me? I don't know. he doesn't say much, and his thoughts are, oh, this girl will look good in vinyl. Who wears vinyl?
1: <laughs> is this the eighties?
0: Yes, yes, God it damn is." It. <laughs> Metropolis I mean,
1: is, is constantly in the 80s.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's stuff on that level, right? It's, you know, just
1: really superficial stuff. Like, I wonder stuff. if that chicken's still okay in the fridge. Yeah, exactly. And, and
0: Manhunter's big takeaway is that humanity is just, like, really hateful and selfish.
1: Yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you start in America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But so he, he leaves to go off and like collect his thoughts. He has a way under the woods to try and isolate himself. And then well, he he, he doesn't – I wouldn't say collecting his thought. He's, he leaves to get out of his own, like, mind-reading radius. So yes. he's trying to find a place where there is no one else yes. that he can accidentally mind-read. Exactly. And, uh, and while he's out there, he encounters uh, a group of – Well, he he strips, and then he goes into his Martian form, and then he plays E.T. almost. How do, Wait, he plays E.T.? Well, he does that thing that we're like, it's it's the lost character in the woods. And then you see like the flashlights coming through. And to me, it was like almost like a Frankenstein slash uh, werewolf slash okay. E.T. moment where it's like people with the lanterns uh, walking by. It's like the monster's this way. And he's like huddled by a rock and deep breath. He's like, oh, how did they find me? It's like, that's how I read that situation. So I think that's what they might've been trying to rip off. Actually, that's a good point. I think there might be an element of that in there. Yeah. Yeah. Him, him There's s- no need for it. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. Him scurrying through the bushes
0: surprisingly fast for a, a, yeah, a, a no little one, waddling.
1: <laughs> no creature. one's looking for you. No yeah. one knows
0: you're there. No one knows you're there. But yeah, he, he encounters this search party trying to find a little girl who ran away. Um, and he like, he kind of just like hovers around them for a surprisingly long amount of time. Um, before starting to see the hope in humanity that all these strangers essentially, you know, are out there because you know they're thinking about, oh, if were my daughter, I'd be scared, or, you know, th- there's there is still good in people, and so that inspires him to go and and find the girl in 30 seconds, which he easily could do because he's a telepath who can phase through shit and fly. Yeah. Um. But that, like, I guess what I so it's kind. You're right. It is kind of a silly plot thread. But the reason I like it is that it does actually tie in very well, I think, thematically to what's going on in the rest of the episode because, you know, what, what to me, that is very effective B-storytelling because Amazo's kind of our point-of-view character in a lot of ways through this whole thing, right? A lot of time is spent around him, um, a lot of focus is on him, and it's all about him experiencing the world i mean he's kind of got a little bit of the born sexy yesterday thing going on
1: hell yeah he does yeah i mean 10 feet tall and ripped as fuck eh, i think and i say tabulostra means tootsie roll he knows how to shake that he knows how to shake that tootsie roll <laughs> he knows like, oh he knows how to shake that tootsie roll um yeah it's, so- it's one of the many things he learned when he absorbed flash <laughs> Also, I
0: I think we'll 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 set aside me being sexually attracted to a Android cartoon, <laughs> nanobot, a, a ten foot <laughs> tall nanobot cartoon, but you know he he's he's got that he's inexperienced, right? His only interaction with the world presumably has been Ivo, and he doesn't even fully understand the concept of death, right? He he just like to him Ivo's just asleep. I don't understand why isn't he coming back? How can we bring him back? So he's he's naive, he's inexperienced, and so he's. Ex- Discovering the world and discovering humanity for the first time, and Jean has kind of been constantly going on that um, journey as well, and is really focused here, right? But it's it's Jean opens himself up to reality, like up to humanity, and sees the worst in people, and has to rediscover the good before he can you know jump back into the fight. And Amazo, his primary interactions are with Lex, and ultimately this episode is about Lex manipulating people and it's about power and about how he has always had power and over the course of his journey in justice league he has less and less as he goes along right he started out as you know one of the most powerful richest people in the world he loses his company and then he becomes a criminal mastermind and then he loses all of his allies he loses his suit he's losing his health he has very little left and he has so few cards to play but he still tries to manipulate people And ultimately the episode is about both Amazo and Mercy realizing that Lex has nothing left to offer them. They have Mm -hmm. no reason to either love him in Amazo's case or fear him in Mercy's case. And so I think that's why I like it that when when Martian Manhunter shows up and the League says, Hey, keep your distance. We don't want him to absorb your abilities. He'll be unstoppable because Martian Manhunter is a fucking god. Um,
1: Yeah, he should be. He really should be.
0: Yeah. And then ultimately manhunter has to step in because everyone else has been defeated and manhunter has that last play of like yeah you have all my abilities including my telepathy and so then amazo uses it to read Lex's mind and realize Lex is manipulating me all along and so i i, I agree with you that the, the bulk of that plot is kind of weak but i think the payoff makes it worth it at the end i think that's a really clever way to um basically take amazo off the board cuz they can't destroy him he just realizes that he, his existence is more profound than anyone around him. There's nothing left to be offered by any of the League or by humanity, and so he chooses to leave. And I think that's a really clever way to wrap up his story arc here rather than trying to destroy him.
1: Yes. No, yeah, when, when you explain it like that, it does feel better. I think they could have had a better introduction to that B-plot. Mm-hmm. Because, like, coming from that perspective, yeah, Martian Manhunter has never spent time with normal humans. He's only been with kind of the best of the good Mm -hmm. and seen the worst of the bad. And so this is his first real time. And I'm sure he's interacted with humans in other episodes, and I just can't think of the times. Um, But this is is his first time, like, truly interacting with humans on a one-to-one basis. Yeah. And and yeah, I that does make sense that he would have that mentality of like, what are we doing this for? Like, why are we even trying to save these people? Because
0: mm-hmm. he asked that question. It's like, what's the point of this? Like, humans are horrible people. Why bother trying to save them?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, but no, I guess I guess when you describe it that way, fine. <laughs> it's a fine B plot. I think I think part of the reason
0: I like this episode so much is that it does have a really strong, cohesive theme interwoven through all of it, from, like, the, the title to the way they handle Amazo to what's going on with Lex to the Martian Manhunter subplot. Like, you know, I, I I will also acknowledge, like, my ability to, like, recognize theme is fairly superficial. Like, <laughs> I, I can watch them that's supposed to be, like, deeply thematic and be like, I don't get it. What's going on here? And so, like, this one is, like, pretty surface level, but I think it it adheres to a, a cohesive theme, I think, a lot more than other episodes do you know and and i think it sticks the landing in all the right places whereas other times we've talked about throughout the dcu and including justice league which is some really
1: good writing sometimes you feel like they're going for something but don't quite land yes and it, it it's something that i brought up last week or two weeks ago but it's it's the idea of the writers constantly trying to make martian manhunter a detective when you still have Batman not <laughs> doing fucking anything. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they
0: still don't quite know what to do with Manhunter. And, and I will at least give them credit here that when he's like temporarily taken off the table, it's for a reason that makes more sense than he just got hit with a laser blast, which he should be immune to or fire or fire. Yes. Yeah. Um, but again, like, and I should have done some research ahead of time, but like I said, we recorded an hour earlier than normal, and I only just finished watching the episodes were we recorded. Barely had time to do research, but I don't know how Amazo is normally perceived, but I know how he was shown in um, Under the Red Hood, for example. And my understanding is that other versions of Amazo, I think, are traditionally played more like villains.
1: Yes, yeah, I I was wrong before. He he was in Young Justice. Okay. Uh, and he does have that Namor look, just like a little bit more mechanical. Exactly. Yeah. And
0: I think he has full pants instead of a Speedo. Shame. He does have full pants. Yeah. Yes.
1: But I, I like the
0: way they, you know, I think that the writers here gave um, Amazo the heart of ice treatment in a lot of ways. Like they took this mm-hmm. character and they made him interesting and sympathetic. Um, you know, and like I said, I really like how it ends when he, you know, he, his quote is none of you has anything to offer me now. And so he just, like, turns sparkly gold, you know, stay golden pony boy, and he just up and leaves. Yeah. He gets the fuck out of there. You know, and even Manhunter's comment is, you know, he, uh, he's going where gods belong because he, I, I think a lot of this episode is all about him learning how to critically think and learning how to evolve. I don't think that the, the evolution doesn't happen naturally for him. I think it's something he has to choose to do. Right. And he
1: ultimately chooses like, to evolve to the point where he's like, fuck this. Why be here? Yeah, and and, and it, it does also go to your point, or go to the point that, we, that, that you started making with Manhunter. It's now Amazo has only met the best and worst of humanity. Yeah. It's either Lex or the Justice League. And his whole perception of them has been flipped. So his idea of good has been bad, and his idea of bad has been yeah. good. So he's like, you guys are fucking weird (laughs) i'm gonna go i'm gonna go make my own space with blackjack and hookers exactly (laughs) you know what forget the blackjack
0: (laughs) yeah i i think he's super interesting and and then of course this sets up what we referenced earlier one of the best jlu episodes the return um when Mm -hmm. he comes back um and he's after Lex, and they, they make a you know an allusion to that is you know when he comes back he's going to be pissed.
1: Yeah. So, so with the Mezo... and, and again this is a question that neither of us are qualified to answer. Of course, but we're he, not qualified for anything we do. So. That is true. Yeah. that is very true. Um, he can replicate a Green Lantern ring and still use it as a ring. And not, because what I was expecting, because like when he makes the mace, it's not an nth metal mace, it's still a nanobot mace. Right. I was expecting the constructs to also be nanobots, but they're not. You see, they look like actual Green Lantern constructions. Yeah. So with that idea, and I think they might even bring this up in his return, can he just copy any, so you can just copy anything. So like if he fought Zatanna, could he just now be magic as well?
0: I think so. Yeah, I mean
1: the, I
0: think his powers are are very vague and I think they it falls into that very nebulous um like comic book science space. Okay. Yeah, I I that's my assum- that's my understanding is that since he's able to um absorb intangible um elements of
1: these other characters that yeah, he could totally just do magic, so if he saw, Dillo, <laughs> could he also be, Amazing Dillo? Yes, he could. He absolutely Great. would be. Yes, perfect. Thank
0: you for that. Thank you.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I, I was trying to think because I, I wanted to pose the question to you at the beginning of like, what's the worst power he could absorb? Carmandillo carmandello yeah, it's, yeah. it's I've, definitely carmandello yeah pretty much who has the worst powers in all the dcau uh what's the what's the one they always talk about on the weekly planet well, uh, arm fall off boy oh arm fall off guy. yeah that's right yeah
0: who i think is in the suicide squad maybe
1: yes i because that's who everyone thinks nathan filling is going to be yeah exactly um yeah, okay, that might be the worst one. Yeah. Well, actually, if you think about it, that would actually be the most dangerous one for him. Because Arm Fall Off Man, he would just be losing nanobots. Yeah. And he can only replicate them for so long. Exactly. Until, like, if he just keeps pulling his arms off, then he loses his, his structural integrity. That is how you defeat a That's That is it? the one purpose of our- arm... <gasps> What if Amazo is the villain of Suicide Squad and they have to absorb all the powers? And then it's finally Nathan Fillion's turn to finally show off what he's made of. And it's him and Polka Dot Man. And he keeps throwing polka dots, which makes him lose nanobots. And he keeps losing his arm, which makes him lose nanobots. Yep. I'm here for it. James Gunn, we figured you out. Also, that sounds
0: like a James Gunn plotline. It absolutely <laughs> so, does. Would watch. We'll watch anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I, I, like I said, I really, really enjoy these. I think it's just there's some really interesting thematic stuff going on. And also, it has a great button at the end, too. When I did love the button, Yeah, when Lex is back in prison and he calls Mercy for help and she just hangs up on him. Mm Mm-hmm. As she should. And, like, also good for her, you know? Good for her for, like, finally getting, like, a real proper life and not just constantly living in his shadow and having to be his chauffeur. Exactly. You know, because she always, like, she always got like knocked out by Harley Quinn and like world's finest. And you know, like she always did the brunt of all this sort of stuff And she had to put it with so much shit. And for her now to be like, you know, a top tier CEO who's actually doing a really good job at the company and doesn't have to live in Lex's shadow. Honestly, good for her.
1: I honestly, with, the, with mercy, I always forget. Cause I think the first time I like understood who that character was, was in young justice mm-hmm. when she's more of a weapon than yeah. a person. And so I always forget when I see her in this, that she's not, she doesn't have an arm cannon. Nope. Doesn't have an arm cannon. She's not a, uh, an Amazon the way she is in some
0: versions. Yep. Yep. She's just, just normal.
1: Yeah, no, she's great.
0: Just, yeah, normal. Just She's like a Jack of all trades, a Jill of all trades. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I, I yeah, I was super excited for these and I uh, can't wait for the return, which is, oh, it's going to be so good. Me too. It's going to be so good. Um, any other, any other thoughts on these? On these
1: bad uh, boys? I had at the very beginning, there were two weird things. Uh, when they're fighting Lex, Superman suddenly has the power to just repel his laser, which I've never seen him do before. Oh, yeah. That was weird. And then when they're all so then as Lex is escaping, he starts sinking a cruise ship. <laughs> and I don't understand why everyone's trying to get off the cruise ship when Superman can just lift it out of the water. And onto like a like onto shore, which he then does, which he then does. Yeah, yeah, after we see like six or seven boats have escaped. Yes, yes. Which like you know like for for that captain, I guess like great great call because like that was very quick. Yeah. on how many boats he got out there. We... Or or it's an or it's a thing on Superman of like how long does it take you to just lift this thing out of the water? I
0: know, right? This should be easy for you, but. It's also impressive effort on the part of those, uh, you know, the people on the ship that they got on those boats so quickly, considering that they were still dancing while a superhero supervillain fight was happening above their heads.
1: Well, that is just normal there, though. (laughs)
0: Honestly, you can't, you can't stop. This sort
1: of shit happens all the time. You got to go about your normal life, right? Yeah, it's like when you're in LA and you're like walking around and you see one of those yellow signs and like you know they're filming somewhere. Yeah. And it's like, oh, all right, I'll like figure out a new path yeah but if you're like not from la you're like oh, they're filming something right here are you telling michael douglas is somewhere in the neighborhood <laughs> very specific that's what all the tourists are most excited about is they're going to hopefully maybe bump into michael douglas somewhere they i i had just gotten an email that they were filming an episode of the Koblansky. Ke- what's the oh his, the kaminsky method the kaminsky method uh, outside my building the other day, oh, okay. and so I'm like, "Oh, Michael Douglas is going to be here. That's kind of cool." Oh well, there you go. Uh, and then did not leave my apartment. <laughs> of course.
0: Honestly, even if you did, you wouldn't see him probably. No. No. They're they're buried so far in, especially during COVID yeah. times.
1: Uh, shit. uh. But yeah, that that's kind of it on on my end. All right. This is like I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. There... And you 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 have changed my mind on the B plot. Ha! Huh. So I'm even more into it. You you have absorbed my love. Of surface level themes Yes
0: <laughs> Alright well should we do uh, Do some bad plugs and then wrap things up with some notes from
1: friends here Let's do some plugs Alright what do you, you, uh, you got to plug this week Cameron What do you plug? Yeah so I've, I've been doing my Christmas-a-thon Of course And I've been trying to do one Christmas movie a day Of course So I watched Klaus as we, as we talked about at the top of the episode yes. And that is superb I've watched it twice now Okay. Uh, and that's why I asked if, I, if I'd already plugged it You may have plugged it um, last year no, because I, I just watched it this year. Oh, okay. I think you may have plugged it last year. If no, I never, I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Watch it. it. It is like maybe top five modern Christmas movies. Okay. It, it's, it um, is superb. Yeah,
0: it's on the uh, – our a group of us are doing like Zoom Christmas movies. It's on the list. So
1: Okay, yeah. It, it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, for you, and this is for you to shame me, even though you can't anymore because I've now seen it, <laughs> I have now finally seen Die Hard. You hadn't seen Die Hard? I'd never seen Die Hard. I've seen Die Hard 4 and 5, but I'd never seen 1. You've, okay, so you've seen the only non-Die Hard, Die Hard movies.
0: Exactly. God damn it, Cameron. God damn it. Okay, well, here's the thing. You can skip
1: Die Hard 2. You're not really missing much. Die Hard 3, though, fucking classic. That's what I've heard. I've, I, one of my other film friends also said that that is the next one I have to watch. Yeah, I, per, like For me, the Die Hard movies, obviously, like Die Hard 1 is the classic. It's like the better
0: film but I prefer Die Hard
1: 3 in the same way that Raiders of the Lost Ark is better than The Last Crusade, but I prefer The Last Crusade. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, good to know. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll plug, which is kind of the real plug. Wait, hang this. on. We're not just going past this. How, what did you think of Die Hard? Oh, it was great. Yeah. It was great. Did, did it hold
0: up for you? Like, I mean, this is like a touchstone film. It's a, it's, a, it's a classic everyone talks about all the time. Did it live up to yes. its hype?
1: So, so I, I will say it definitely did. As someone who watched the majority of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where they make reference to it constantly, yeah. and like Bob's Burgers makes reference to it constantly. Oh, yeah. Um, there's so many films that reference this, but it wasn't in the same way of what, like when I rewatch, not rewatch, when I watch like Shawshank for the first time or Godfather for the first time, where mm-hmm. like those movies are copied scene for scene. Where like, yeah, I felt like I had seen those movies in their entirety before I watched them. Right just through parody. But no one parodies the entire of Die Hard. Yeah, it's like people you, you have You just done... kind of get specific moments. So it still felt like a new movie. Okay, yeah. We've had so many versions of like Die Hard
0: on a boat under siege, right? You know, like Die Hard somewhere, but you're yeah, yeah, you're right. The like the the, the moments aren't aped so much as just the overall concept.
1: Yeah, and I and I I it might have come before this, but this is I now assume is the origin of it, but that the trope of like being on the roof, tying yourself up with the fire hose and jumping off. I've seen referenced so many times. Yeah. And I'm any, like, Oh, that's a diehard thing. Has anyone else done that? I'm sure Tom Cruise must've done it in like his free time at some point. Oh, probably his free time. Yeah, certainly. But yeah, like yeah. I think,
0: uh, oh, okay. Like, I guess he did do it in mission impossible ghost protocol. He like, Ties himself off. Yes, and he yeah, because it's too short. On the side of the building. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: okay, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, I think Die Hard was the first one to do it. <clears throat> yeah, that was when I'm like, oh, okay, I know this reference. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was. I was shocked at how long it took them to like get to the villain. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you're burn. like thirty. You're like thirty minutes into the movie before there's any kind of like start of drama or hint of drama. Yeah. Oh, but how good is and and for? I do. I, I've been team Die Hard's not a Christmas movie without actually seeing Die Hard then, how, for so mm, long. But, and I, I haven't changed my mind. I still say it's not a Christmas movie. Um, but I understand the argument now. Because I made the comparison of like, oh, if Die Hard's a Christmas movie just because it takes place during Christmas, why isn't like Harry Potter 1 a Christmas movie? Because it has a Christmas scene. Yeah. Or Harry Potter 3. Um, but with how much they reference Christmas in the movie, I understand the argument. Yeah. I mean, the end credits is done to let
0: it snow. (laughs) So I, and I I think, I think you're hinting at is like, I think there's a distinction between a Christmas movie and a movie that there's an added benefit of watching at Christmas, right? Like I think you can watch die hard any time of the year. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind and like no one's really going to judge you for watching Die Hard not at Christmas, but people will give you weird looks if you're watching like The Santa Claus or Elf not at Christmas.
1: Right. And I would say I'd make the same argument for Gremlins. Yeah. Because Gizmo is a Christmas present.
0: Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, there's like movies that are set at Christmas that you could kind of watch anytime versus movies that really are
1: just about Christmas. Yes. You have year long and seasonal Christmas films. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Die Hard, Batman Returns, Gremlins. Yeah, Throw mm-hmm. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in there as well. Yeah, I love that movie. Iron Man three. Iron Man three. Iron yeah, Man 3. anything Shane Black has ever made except for Predators, yes, pretty much. or the Predator, which I think was uh, Halloween.
1: Doesn't matter. Uh, and then the last, the last thing I'll plug, which is kind of the real plug, is um, I watched the new Save by the Bell series on Peacock. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's here here's here's the thing when i started it i hated it it's it's very weird characters they're i don't know who it's for because it's and then as as the show started i realized who the audience is okay um but if you have nothing else to do <laughs> the show is is pretty charming once you get into it <laughs> the characters are kind of fun Talk about jamming uh, with faint praise. If you have nothing else to do and have nothing else to watch, sure, go ahead and watch this thing, and you'll be that, mostly I mean, but entertained. That's kind of what it is, and that's kind of how I did it. Like I'd watched everything else on my list. Um, as I as I mentioned to you before the episode, one of the like one of the great things about the show is the second leading uh, female character is trans. Yeah, and she she grew up being a, a male actor on Disney, who then made her transition, and is now awesome in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, And it's even like a very, very, very subtle plot thread where they talk about, uh, oh, and and, in this version, everyone that goes to the Saved by the Bell School, Bayside High, they're like comedically rich Mm -hmm. and comedically like Hollywood. Uh, And so she makes the joke of like, oh, yeah, when I had like my coming out party, MTV filmed it and made a three season show out of it. Uh, and that's the only time they ever, re- they ever reference it. And then it's gone. Yeah. Like, that's perfect. Like, that's as much reference as you need to something like this. Oh, that's awesome. And then it's just normal and no one ever brings it up again. Yeah. Um, like, that that is pretty great. Um, I guess the, like, the theme of the series is there's a lower... Uh, like, a lower-funded school goes under because now Governor Zach Morris... And I cut the, the education budget. Of course he did. And so the way he remedied this is everyone that went to this low end school is now gets to go to Bayside High, mm-hmm. the richest school in California. Yeah. Um, and it's this like fun, like cross culture thing of seeing kind of these people who always kind of struggled interact with the people who've never had to get off their throne to mm-hmm. do anything. Yeah. And they both kind of bring each other to this nice middle ground. Oh nice. I mean that that is an interesting concept at least, so at least they're trying to do something clever with it. Yeah. And, and like I said, when you meet the characters, they are infuriating because they're all such like bad tropes. but like once you like once you get used to them, they are pretty I enjoy them. Okay. It's only like ten episodes. The principal is um what's his face, that actor that we love uh he stanley is stanley tucci king. i don't know like, oh god i wish it was the Tucci, I, that actor no, that we love never, i don't know <laughs> i would never forget tucci's name
0: i feel like um, the tucci is the most reference actor on this show that has nothing to do with what we talk about <laughs> so i don't know who
1: else you're referring to he is um he has three names uh he plays the principal uh, I, john michael higgins oh okay i was like, for fuck's sake. Yes, yeah, so he he the, plays the the principal who's scared of his who's scared of the PTA. Okay, I was gonna say because there's also like, like Mark Paul Gosselaar is another three name actor, but that's Zach Morris. So I don't know who that you're you're Zach talking. Morris. Yes, no. John John Michael Higgins plays the principal, and he is wonderful. I mean, he's always good. He's always so good. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. A
0: semi enthusiastic, semi lackluster bat bug from Cameron for Saved by the Bell.
1: Yes. Uh, but what about you, Chris? What have you been watching? Uh,
0: so I watched this week uh, "Happiest Season" on Hulu.
1: That's that's what I'm watching tonight. That's next on my list. I really really liked it. Yeah,
0: so Good. it stars um, uh, Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis. As God, and I uh, love her, I know they're you both know I so love great. Mackenzie Davis, yeah, as a as a as a couple, and um, they're going back home to Mackenzie Davis's family's house for Christmas. The reveal is that she has yet to come out to her family. So they have to pretend that they're not in a relationship. They're just roommates. Um, you know, again, it's, it's kind of a plot we've seen similar-ish before. But, like, I've never seen it done, like, in a Christmas movie like this. And it's, you know, really well made. And it's really well written and very funny. Um, there are definitely some moments that feel, like, a little bit contrived. But I those are very much overshadowed by just, like, the, the charm and the chemistry of the whole cast. So, like, you know, Dan Levy, who's obviously most famous for Shit's Creek plays the best friend like the gay best friend and he's great in every scene that he's in just steals all of it um you know the the supporting cast around them is amazing to so get like victor garber as the dad and uh one of my personal favorites mary steenbergen as the mom allison brie as one of the sisters like it's yeah it's it's really it's it's really sweet and very touching um you know and and really funny as well like it, it's one of those it's one of those handful of like direct to streaming movies that feels like it could have been put into a theater and, you know, would have felt the same. You know, mm-hmm. it, it breaks that like 80% threshold that I feel like a lot of those movies often hit. Um, it's, it's really, really good. Highly recommend it. So I'm glad you're gonna be watching it. So I, I recommend it to my family as well. Like go watch this. You guys will like it. Um, so I watched that this week. And then uh, Cameron, I discovered something. So I have yeah. a question for you. What are my two favorite things to listen to? scores and other scores uh hint we're doing one right now podcasts
1: guess what i discovered is there a score podcast
0: yes there is
1: does michael Giacchino host it
0: he does not uh it is it is but but don't worry still in my wheelhouse of loves it's hosted by three australian guys great um, and they are all they all all very knowledgeable about music. So like one of them is a, um, an orchestra conductor. The other two are like academics. You know, a lot about film, a lot about music, and so the podcast is called uh, "The Art of the Score." And I heard about it because it was referenced on James Bonding, of course. Amazing. Um, but and eventually, I will get to an episode about the James Bond scores. Um, but they do these really incredible deep dives. And the first two episodes are all about Indiana Jones. And then the third episode is Jurassic Park. And then I listened to the fourth one, which was on Vertigo, Bernard Herman's score for Vertigo. Oh,
1: and they have an episode on how to train your dragon. They do. Yeah. i to listen to that uh, one. That's a great
0: score. And the thing is, like, they're all, you know, it's 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 academic in a lot of ways. Like, it's it's super well-informed. Like, one of the guys literally has a piano in front of him, and we'll, like, we'll play notes. And they'll reference, you know, like majors and minors and chords and all these other things that I I don't really, I kind of know what they're talking about out of context, but I'm not a music person, but I don't feel like I'm missing out on the conversation. They, they explain it in a way that even someone who's not musically well-informed understands what they're referencing because they play examples and they'll dive into, um, you know, what the themes are and why the scores, you know, are uh, structured where they are. So like a good example is for Indiana Jones, you know, what's often referred to as like the Marion's theme, like the romance theme of all of it. You know, their whole point is that it's not actually used when Marion's on screen. It's used whenever Indy is thinking about Marion. So it's actually a score about how Indy sees that character, right? It's like his point of view on her rather than it just being about her you know it's okay. stuff like that they'll dive into like why it's constructed and what the inspirations were and where you can see you know similar work from the same composers in different places um, it's it's so so good like i i'm i'm just in my car driving around and just like squeeing because i'm listening to film scores and people nerding out over film scores and i'm just beside myself with excitement i i found this almost 2 weeks ago like right after we recorded and it's been killing me that I haven't been able to plug it until now. Oh, no. <laughs> because
1: we pre-recorded an episode. But it, it it is, oh, it's so good. No, I mean, they, they have a couple that I think I'd be really interested in. Yeah. Uh, three episodes on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman. Yep. Back to the Future. Uh, what was the last one on the bottom of this page? Um, Harry Potter. Yeah. I'll definitely listen to that one. Yeah,
0: so they they hit some pretty big franchises. Um and their and their analysis is just really really interesting. And you know, and it's also, you know, funny at times, too. They they have a good sense
1: of humor as you'd expect. So uh, When is the uh when's the last time you watched The Holiday? I've never seen The Holiday. Oh, okay. You should watch The Holiday. Okay. Uh so Jack Black plays a film composer. Oh, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. And there's a shot where him and Kate Winslet are walking through a blockbuster and it's him singing the scores to the movies as they walk by. Oh my God. And I had, I watched it last night with my mom because it's her favorite Christmas movie. And I paused and I looked at her and I said, this is what talking to Chris is like (laughs) all the time.
0: (laughs) I mean, I, I have to admit when I'm listening to it, there are times when I feel very smug, not that I'm ever far from feeling smug, to be honest, right. but you know, they'll, they'll, for example, like they'll play like, um, like a piece of John Williams music from Jurassic Park. And then they will be like, okay, now like you, this kind of sound has been in a few other places. Let me play some examples and think, see if you can place them. And you know, he, he plays a couple I'm like, okay, I can spot that, I can spot that. And he plays one. I'm like, Ooh, I think that's, Bernard Herman's score from Psycho and they're like and this was Bernard <laughs> Herman's score from Psycho I'm like
1: yes
0: Oh god it just it makes me it makes me so happy I mean Good. Like, it's no surprise that my my top artist of the year was Michael Giacchino I think two years in a row if I recall No last year was John Williams Was it Yes I know I thought I thought two I thought two years ago was John Williams and last year was Giacchino Oh, maybe,
1: maybe maybe, it was two years yeah, ago. But,
0: you know, I'm very proud of the fact that, once again, I'm in the top 0.05% of listeners of Michael Giacchino's work. I i am very ashamed.
1: <laughs> I was in the 0.01% of Emoji heats listeners. I'm not too surprised. But, I mean, just that's... because of that stupid Harry Potter soundtrack. Yeah, but you love that soundtrack, so it's fine. I love it so much. Yeah. It's what I listen to when I write. It's what I listen to when I need to calm down. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not. I'm not. Ju- I would never judge you for loving. No, I, I don't. A I'm, score. It's not something I feel judged on. Yeah. It's just something like I wanted. I wanted to like take out my like calming playlist from the equation of what are my top right listen to music. Well, you know what? This has been a year that needs good calming playlists. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, literally the first five, like my top five songs, are the first five songs of a playlist I have called "Calm the Fuck Down." Yeah, exactly. It makes perfect sense.
0: I mean, yeah. um, I mean, my my top song of the year was the Panic at the Disco cover of "Into the Unknown," I,
1: so no, I was very surprised by that one. <laughs>
0: I love that song.
1: Apparently, I really love it. Uh, no, I I would I would task you to watch the holiday this okay. week.
0: All right, I'll, because I'll
1: it, put it on my list. Yeah, because half of it is just like Hollywood jackoff material. I love that because um, Cameron Diaz is like the top trailer editor in Hollywood. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's uh, such that's such a movie job. Like obviously, that is someone's job in real life.
1: Yeah, like, I, I know plenty of people who cut trailers. Yeah, do they look like Cameron Diaz? All of them. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've cut TV spots. It's not a, and they make it look like because they give her this like fabulous like hills home. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) I'm looking at this and I had to tell my parents, I'm like, (laughs) trailer editors do not make this much money. No, not even close to this much money. Although, when did that movie come out? Early 2000s. Uh, yeah, 2006. Yeah, you probably could have bought a house like that back then. I don't know. This is like a multi multi million dollar house. Okay, then maybe not quite that far. But, yeah, yeah. You,
0: you could make a decent living. Your money went somewhere back then. That is true. Yeah, yeah. That, that is true. Uh, all right. Well, actually, along those lines, uh, should we get into some notes from friends here?
1: Let's do some notes from friends. Yeah,
0: so we have some responses to your, your questions from the last few weeks. So you're talking about the, the holiday. And we got some responses about people's favorite comfort movies. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Maddie Washburn, uh, the great Matty Washburn, wrote in to say that uh, The Muppets and I Love You Man are two of his favorites. Those are good go-to ones. And he just rewatched I Love You Man and was talking about how
1: great it is. I, I need to rewatch I Love You When I watched it the first time, I couldn't get into it. Really? I, like something with the comedy, it just didn't click with me when I first watched it. And it made me very uncomfortable. So I, need to, I, I know, and I don't know why. I mean, there is an element of, like, cringe humor in there. Yes, and I, I was, I, you know, I'm, I'm still not a big fan of cringe humor. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do want to give that movie another try. Because, like, I love Jason Segal, and I love, nope, yes. Jason <laughs> Siegel. Siegel, thank yes. you. Not Steven Segal. Yes. Jason Segal. <laughs> um, and obviously Paul Rudd is is the people's champion. Yeah, Paul Rudd.
0: The, the most missed man in the world. Yes. If we all die. Uh, but no, great shouts on those. Um, Ashley Clark wrote in and said that some of hers are uh, Anne of Green Gables, the miniseries, which I have not seen. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord of the Rings. Uh, and then, you know, some of her favorite, like, black and white movies that she grew up with. So His Girl Friday, His Favorite Wife, my favorite, Casablanca, My Man Godfrey, Blanca? The Thin Man, Philadelphia Story, It Happened One Night. Uh, and then also Beatos when she wants to take a nap. It's a good one. It's a very good one. Great yeah. score. No, yeah, great, great choices here, especially from some of those old movies. I mean, His Girl Friday and uh, It Happened One Night are like the proto rom coms. They're amazing if you haven't seen them. Um, no, so great list there. And then uh, Jake, aka The Overvoid on Twitter, said that uh, one is he listens to us, which is very, very sweet. That is sweet. Yes. Also, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I'm very comforting. I know. I think, I think we have decent podcast voice. Maybe that's it. Uh, I mean, that's a thought. Or, or we're just really good to, good to voice. listen to To Fall Asleep. Maybe that's it. <laughs> At the end of the day. Yeah. Just listening to just rant about stuff. Um, uh, but that, and then um, Call Me Kevin and RT Gamer, which I think are maybe YouTube channels, um, like gamer YouTube channels I wasn't familiar mm-hmm. with. Uh, and then Spider-Verse, which is... Amazing, one yeah. ...one of the best films the last few years. And then uh, Anything from Lonely Island, which is always
1: good. Love Island, like said? Island. Love Island, Lonely Island, Love Island. How dare Island. you, sir? No, sorry, I I misheard, and that's why I asked in a confused voice. Yeah, like, that is. L- no, <laughs> I tried to sleep to Love Island once, and I left. Like I had to stop <laughs> halfway through because I'm like, this is so frustrating.
0: I I can't. I I can't. I can't bring myself to watch anything where they have to create obstacles for straight people to be together. Yeah, some of us. Just struggle to be together because we were in the closet for most of our lives. Like, shut the fuck up. None of this, like, oh, love is blind. They get married for the first time of never having seen each other. When I'm like, "Um, I really hope that someone doesn't overturn a Supreme Court ruling so I can't get married anymore. Thank you very much, motherfuckers.
1: But, hey, I mean, we had that one show, Too Hot to Handle, this year. I I also About, like, making straight people keep it in their pants and how hard that is. I also just don't. I mean, that was kind of funny, but I just also... That, I, that was, you know, Blue Ball is the series. Exactly. I also just refuse to watch reality TV for the most part, so... That's fair. Yeah. You're saving yourself a lot of time. Exactly.
0: Uh, and then we got some responses about what uh, additional DCAU seasons we would like. So, oh, yeah.
1: I forgot about that question. Yeah,
0: so Maddie wrote in, and you know as he pointed out in his message, unsurprisingly, he said... We don't
1: care about Zeta. He said
0: Zeta. But he did say that he would want to see a Zeta where it was... You know, an extension or like more in line with what the original pitch was, which was meant to be even darker than Batman Beyond, which makes sense because that character should be in a dark story in a dark universe because he's an assassin that impersonates people. Um, yes. But, uh, you know, so it's it's that. And also he reminded us. And so I'm going to throw it out to the audience as well that they have a really good interview with Bob Goodman, the creator of Zeta. that It is part of the 24 hour live stream that we also joined in on. Um, and he talks about what seasons three and four he would have liked to have seen out of the show. So that's also kind of a, a pseudo plug thrown in there to go check out that video. Um, okay. And then um, Jake also wrote written in to say that he would have wanted a JLU season focusing on the near apocalypse of 09, which is referenced sporadically throughout the DCAU. So, mm. which I think involved Ra's al Ghul, if I recall. I forget when it's referenced, um, but I, I think we'll get there. I feel like. They may, I think the, the Watchtower database guys have either hinted at tackling that story or have tackled that story to some degree in the, their legacy comics, the DCAU legacy. So another pseudo plug thrown in there for that too. So, yeah. Yeah, and I know there were more, and I apologize because I, I went back and tried to find more messages because I hadn't really like written them down for the last two weeks and we haven't been recording. So if I missed you, I apologize, and you can write in to tell me that I missed, and then I'll probably miss that as well. So. Yes. But, I take no fault. This exactly. It's all your, your yes, problem. Exactly. Cameron uh, just avoids responsibility and thus avoids blame like any smart man would. So, exactly. Yeah. But I think that does it for us this week. Um, we will be back next week with something, something dreams. It's. I'm field only, of dreams? Uh, yeah, field, field of dreams. Sorry, Kevin Costner. No, only a dream. <laughs> Only a dream uh, with Doctor Destiny, so that I, I remember that being pretty good. I think so. That'll be good. Doctor Destiny. Doctor Destiny. Yeah, he kind of looks like a combination of Doctor Doom and Skeletor. If I interesting, rec- if I recall. Um, okay. Yeah. So, but that will be uh, next week. Uh, but until then, uh, if you've got thoughts on these episodes, or if you want to answer some of Cameron's old questions, uh, we we foregoed one this week in favor of doing some news. But we'll be back next week. Yeah, can, a little bit of news. A little <laughs> bit of news. Yes. Only thirty minutes of news. Um, we'll be back next week. You can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, you yes, can yes, yes, yes. find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. And on Instagram, I'm doing a uh, Lego Star Wars advent calendar every day. So you can get some. They're very cute. Thank you. Yes, you can get some little little bits of that there. Uh, Cameron, where can they find you?
1: Uh, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.dexter. And if you want to see my face, which has not changed since March, you can find that at Cam Dexter underscore adventures
0: Ah, boom, boom, boom. All right. Uh, well, until then, everyone, thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, uh, stay safe out there and happy early
1: holidays. Yes. Merry early Christmas. Yes. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Kwanzaa.
0: Yes.
1: Happy Festivus. All of. I think is the first one. I think, yes. All
0: of the above. So, yes. Uh, thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Beautiful. Really
0: dragging it out this week. Beautiful. <laughs>